Folks, good evening, happy Thursday, happy PlayStation release day, and welcome to a new episode of the Crowd Assist Podcast brought to you by Trainwreck Sports. As always, Wake here with my partner in crime, Kevin Masari. Kevin, I'm still coming down from the high from the Seattle win on my birthday, no less, so this has been a great <laughs> week so far for me. How you doing, man? Uh, you know, living the dream, trying to trying to fight through this PS5 day as well. Um, yeah. Got got an Xbox um, a couple of days ago. I was trying to resell it to get this PS5, but um, <laughs> kind of kept my mind off of football for a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, it's just looking forward to this edition, though. Yeah, absolutely. And, bef- and you guys all know we have another big game this weekend against another NFC West opponent. And we're going to get into that matchup, going to talk about everything with our guest Alex Clancy here from Lockdown Cardinals. But before we do that, I do have to remind you that we do do this show all because of Picasso's Pizza. They've been serving up delicious pies in Buffalo for four generations, and they're not showing any signs of stopping soon. They're open for takeout and delivery, and they actually deliver nationwide. I've said it on the show before. I've moved to Long Island last year, and I don't have an excuse not to get Picasso's anymore. Neither do you. So make sure you make them a part of your game day traditions now, have it with your family, and support local businesses right now in Buffalo, because now is the time to do so. Do your part by supporting Picasso's. As I said, very special guest from Locked on Cardinals, Alex Clancy. You can follow him on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Alex, thanks so much for being here, man. How's it going for you? You know, it's good. The only issue I have is I can't sound cool by calling a pizza a pie, and I've never <laughs> been able to do it. And um, I don't know if it's a West Coast thing. I grew up in L.A. I don't know if it's a West Coast thing or what. When people call them pies, I look at them with awe because I've tried once and I'll never do it again. <laughs> well, I think it might be the, the, new, the new New Yorker in me. I'm calling them pies. I don't know. Maybe my family in Buffalo won't be so proud of me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we still use pies vernacular. Um, I mean, Buffalo pie is very unique. It's a unique pizza. Watch Barstool Sports do their whole pizza. They, they love coming here. You know, yeah, yeah. usually when there's games going on, they bring a whole crew out for a Bills Patriots game. Um, but they, they love digging into our nice, thick, delicious pizza. But it's a big game this weekend. I mean, there, there's no way around it. Um, you know, Arizona's coming off of a disappointing loss to Miami, uh, one where I think I would say 99, 95% of Bills fans were rooting for Arizona. Um, you know, we, we want to bury Miami. We want them three, four games out from first. We don't want anything to do with this Tua rebirth, this Tua story. Um, and it just, that field goal came up short. I was watching the game and I was like, mm-hmm. I've seen him hit longer than 49 before. Seems good. Um, Seems a good yeah. Game. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll start there kind of wrap, wrap just because there's interest there in that game. Um, for Bills, Miami, you know, Bills fans rooting for rooting against Miami and then Arizona being their next opponent. Lots to, lots to digest. I've listened to your podcast. Quick, maybe one minute, two minute synopsis of that game. And, you know, is it the right? I mean, I know you, I heard you did dissect the play calling. You weren't super happy with that. Like, so where, where, where are you at with that game? And I mean, honestly, I, I, I thought you were going to win that after that field goal. So kind of what happened and I guess walk us through that. Yeah, the, uh, the Zing Gonzalez coming up a couple feet short was weird. Uh, you know, yeah. it's one of those where I had to go. I had something in the microwave. It went off. I'm getting up, and I'm I'm like, okay. And I watch him kick, and I'm like, cool. Like, I mean, it, it, he split the uprights, and the fact that it came up short was was weird. When it came to the play calling that, that my host and I talked about on Lockdown Cardinals was when you're so decimated in the secondary, especially the DBs, which is, you know, what the Cardinals were, where they found themselves, whether it be Byron Murphy on the COVID list or uh, Drake Patrick, who was signed a few weeks ago, just out with an injury. Uh, you couldn't really tell if it was Tua just, you know, arriving at the in the NFL 
whether, you know, it's his second game. So people didn't really necessarily see that happening that quickly because nobody would seen him on the field for 18 months or so. Um, or if it was just the secondary of the Cardinals being as it was, probably a fusion of both. The play calling when it comes to Cl- uh, Cliff Kingsbury has been a hot-button issue pretty much since week one of last year. Um, he was documented as saying that he thought he could potentially get fired at halftime of his first game in 2019 against Detroit. I was at that game in the press box, and I would have signed up for that. And then you see <laughs> Kyler Murray to get his key legs, and Kyler Murray, uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury will go as far as Kyler Murray takes him. It's like the antithesis of Jared Goff will only go as far as Sean McVay takes him. It's flip-flopped with Kyler and Cliff. Kyler is Cliff's meal ticket. But the issue with it is Cliff Kingsbury being the offensive coordinator and the play caller and the head coach, Mm -hmm. um, it seems to be an overwhelming task to him at times. It's like watching – eight different episodes of the same eight different clips of the same show, but have them all be different episodes at times. So it kind of tells the same story with play calling, but it can be very, very jagged and non-fluid. And that's what we see. Like, I mean, you see synchronicity with long drives that lead to touchdowns and then you see three and outs of like, I mean, they couldn't even catch their breath on the field before having to come off the field and punt. So yeah, the play calling is, has been a bugaboo and it's continuing to be so regardless of how, talented the Cardinals offenses, especially compared to, to recent seasons. Yeah. And, you know, kind of, kind of going off of that, like one thing I look for as like a fantasy, you know, player, as someone who just hates when players are misused in, you know, whether they're just not playing the right player at times is the running back room in, in Arizona. And I think this could be a good segue into, you know, talking about the offense. Um, from my eyes, and maybe I don't watch enough Arizona football, but it seems like Chase Edmonds looks like the better back for you guys sometimes. It seems like Kenyon Drake is almost having like a, like similar to what Melvin Gordon's doing in Denver right now where he'll rush like 15 times, break off one long run, and that fixes his, you know, yards per attempt. Um, yeah. You know, I, obviously Kenyon Drake's injured. He's looking like he'll come back for this game from what I've seen. Um, what do you expect like, like the split between those two to be like, and who do you think is the more talented back? Well, it's, it's a good question, and I was wrong. Um, I thought Chase Edmonds – I think Chase Edmonds is the most talented back, and you, you can uh, make the foundation of that just versatility, whether it be out of the backfield catching the ball or running the ball. He's got a burst that's kind of underrated. He's big. I mean, he only weighs three less pounds than Kenyon Drake. We know it doesn't look like that. I've interviewed Chase Edmonds. It looks like he could fit in my pocket. Like, he is short, but he is stout and very strong, very cerebral. Um, Kenyon Drake has never been a lead back. And Kenyon Drake, I, I mean, the flashball memory I have from him is him running the kickoff back in Alabama in the national championship game after Clemson had scored a touchdown. Like, that's what I remember. And he didn't get a lot of time in, in Miami before getting traded. And they put the transition tag on him for A-plus mil. And I'm not sold on Kenyon Drake yet. So to answer your question, I think Chase Edmonds is the guy. But Chase Edmonds is also not a traditional between-the-tackles runner, True. which is – kind of causing this, uh, this timeshare in the backfield, which works because there's one guy who's good at one thing and one guy who's good at the other. Um, Kenny Drake should be back on Sunday. They need to figure out a way to get him running north and south, put him in a position to succeed with, with the run blocking schemes. But he's getting better, and the offense is more efficient than we thought it would be at this point. I think the acquisition of DeAndre Hopkins has helped and Christian Kirk kind of – taking his third year and coming to his own and obviously Kyler Murray elevating his game. But when it comes to the running back room, it's Kyler Murray. Yeah. 
that's that's the running back room and that's kind of the whole weird mind screw of all of this because we expected him to run more but we didn't expect him to be on pace to break these records like the over under in vegas was 499 and a half and he already beat it through eight weeks <laughs> for, for rushing yards for him so yeah yeah that's he's the lead back which kind of puts it's like having a point guard be your leading scorer in basketball it kind of stalemates everything else because you have one guy supposed to be a facilitator but he's also the guy that's leading you in a specific category so we look at it as a, as a room and they're top 10 in the nfl with kyler murray's rushing yards included yeah and i, I think one thing i enjoyed was your rant on andy isabella um, I thought, I thought that that was very entertaining, uh, just as an outsider, unbiased, just listening, um, you know, no dog in the fight. I did enjoy that. I was watching the game, like I mentioned, you know, before and him to go back, I, I that was bad. And then they called the timeout and I, it was just, it, it wasn't coaching staff's fault. I mean, I, Sean McDermott, would, I know Sean, if that was Cole Beasley, Sean McDermott would have done the same thing. Um, but it's just such a boneheaded play at, at a really pivotal time. And then not to mention them missing the field goal at the end of the half and then making it again on the penalty. Um, it, it was on further kick. So that was just bizarre. I mean, that whole sequence had to really irk you guys um, from start to finish. I mean, it would have, I could only see Bill's land on fire um, on something like that happening. It's new England or something. Um, but, you know, you know, look at, you know, talk about the receiver room in general, you kind of did what the bills did. I mean, you have Christian Kirk uh, bills have John Brown, very similar. Um, you know, then he went out and got Deandre Hopkins. The bills went out and got Stefan Diggs. very similar in the molds of building around younger, you know, quarterbacks talented younger quarterbacks um and they're built on the same kind i mean they're very similar type of at least offenses in the fact that you know, talented quarterbacks build that receiver room um you know have a wily vet and frank uh, larry fitzgerald and just continue to grow and bills have two younger running backs themselves so the receiver room is it everything you guys want it to be i mean christian kirk started to come on he seems a little more healthy um, you know, Hopkins, once again, is, you know, wide receiver one, top five, top seven receivers in the league, wherever you want to put them. Um, so, you know, talking about the receiver room, is it, is it helping Kyler? Um, and is it kind of that similar mold of what's going on in Buffalo? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very similar. And we'll, I mean, Bo and I talked, my co-host and I talked at length this week, I did specifically about how scary the wide receiver room is for Buffalo, just because you guys have it on all three levels and all three guys can run routes on all three levels. And when it comes to the Cardinals, Andy Isabel's biggest fault is that he's not DK Metcalf. That's really what's going to be holding on Andy Isabella's shoulders. It's not his fault that, Kyle, that Cliff Kingsbury wanted him and, and passed on DK Metcalf in the second round. You could have looked like Steve Kime could have won GM of the year by trading Josh Rosen, getting a second-round pick, and turning Josh Rosen into DK Metcalf. Now, Andy Isabella had three touchdowns through the first three games. I think it was three through the first two games this year. He's not the guy, you know, he, um, he's going to be a wide receiver five. The, the wide receiving core is one that I thought, after they traded for DeAndre Hopkins, that they shouldn't have been done. I mean, you need to continue. Larry Fitzgerald's not going to be around forever. They paid him $11 million each of the last three years for him to come back. If they ask him at the end of this year to take a pay cut, we may not be seeing Larry Fitzgerald in number, wearing number 11 for the Cardinals. So that would put you at DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk, who's finally starting to solidify himself. But – I don't see this wide receiving core as being as strong as others might. I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the NFL, pound for pound to me, if he gets, the, if he gets enough targets. But he only got three targets last week. It doesn't matter who the, who the DB is. It's going to be your boy Tredavious this, this week. And if he doesn't get 10 or 12 targets, it doesn't matter. DeAndre Hopkins has the best hands in the game, and he's got one of the best catch radiuses. Uh, he's not a route runner like Stephon Diggs is. doesn't really have to be. He right. runs with finger blocks. 
I mean, he just turns around and catches the ball where he wants to. But no, I don't think the receiving core is as strong as it looks like on paper right now. And um, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to work they're gonna have to work on that moving forward, um, especially this offseason coming up. Yeah, and I mean you see um you know, Bill, the Bills, Trey White knows DeAndre Hopkins very well. They played in the playoffs, kind of squared off, um, you know, pound for pound. Trey White was winning that battle for a lot of the game, and then DeAndre Hopkins shows up um, in, in a really tailing effort. Bills were up 16-0 late into the third quarter. DeAndre Hopkins was a big factor in Deshaun Watson being able to, to come back in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, we're, we're all too familiar with that matchup, and it was one that uh, we left the season with. Um, yeah, we left the season with – um, after being up 16 nothing in command, a couple of really controversial calls for us as history. Um, and then, you know, to the point where the you know Bills fans were like, well, we saw Hopkins go for a second, and we traded a first, a fourth, and a fifth for Diggs. Similar players, yeah, obviously it's paid off for the Bills. I mean, it's been a huge difference makers in the you know, NFL in a lot of categories. Um, yeah. But at the time, it was second. You know, I know he wants to get paid – you know, it's not Diggs is an underpaid. Diggs is very well paid um, and got more, you know, more bonuses, pushed out some deals. Um, he's getting paid really well. So from a Bills fan, uh, fan perspective, it was we could have capped our first um, and then, you know, dealt the second. But I still think that, you know, the right fit was Arizona for him. I think that Houston after that playoff game, I don't think they were dealing with the Bills anyways. You know, yeah. Bill O'Brien was figuring that that might be a competition there, you know, going forward for playoff spots, et cetera. They got a pretty good deal from Arizona. I mean, you have to feel long-winded way to say you have to feel pretty happy about a second-round return when you know that's what the return was for Josh Rosen, who's now in a practice squad. So you have to feel that that's a pretty good return for him, right? So when we saw it, the the show, the morning show that I'm the producer of, uh, is from six to ten in the morning, um, uh, Arizona time. So it changes. It changes now. We're on mountains only. That trade. Their initial report was from Schefter was at like 9.30 our time. So the show was about to end. David Johnson going to Texans, and they're going to take his full salary. When I saw that it was second-round pick, cool. You know, you, great, right? medicine, you paid him too much. You yeah. have to give a second-round pick just like, just like uh, Houston had to give a second-round pick for Brock Osweiler for Cleveland to take him and that bad contract a couple years ago. I'm driving home, and I hear on the radio – that coming alongside is DeAndre Hopkins, and I almost popped the vocal cord. It was completely uh, – it was, it was uh, projectile. Like, I didn't know it was inadvertent, and it wasn't because I'm the hugest Cardinals fan. I cover the Cardinals. They're great. They're a fun team to cover. They're a great organization, all that stuff. But hearing my favorite wide receiver coming to play for the team that I cover is like – Yeah, no, I know. And the fact that it was anything but – having to give up a second round pick, maybe getting a fourth back or something like they did. But yeah, I mean, once in a while on Locked On Cardinals, we just take a second and be like, you know what? Let's appreciate that the Cardinals didn't draft Nick Bosa, that the Cardinals traded for DeAndre Hopkins, and that before that, that Steve Kime drafted Josh Rosen and signed Steve Wilkes because if that didn't happen, the Cardinals wouldn't have had the number one overall pick. That's <laughs> true. So there's some, there are things that, like, I know it's a twisted, weird way to look at it, but it's like the Cardinals organization has had such bad luck for pretty much the entirety of their of their existence, uh, save, you know, the Super Bowl run in the, mid, in the mid-2000s where Chris Collinsworth and others called it the worst Super Bowl team ever to ever make it to a Super Bowl. And then the BA years, which were fun but not really substantive, you know, it's like eating candy for breakfast. Like, it's cool, but it's not good for you. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Now you kind of see with acquiring DeAndre Hopkins, that's what teams on the rise do. And you do it 
frugally. They paid him, but they didn't have to give up a lot. And when you see what Stephon Diggs went for, and then you see what DeAndre Hopkins is just like, like Stephon Diggs is now a 1A receiver. When they traded for, like, he had his ups and downs in Minnesota. Sure. You know, he was injured for a time. Adam Thielen was the guy who was Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins can't perform in prime time. Kyle Rudolph was one of the top guys there for a while and then fell off the cliff. Like, he's worth his money now. But DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, it's, come on. It's DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, it's no, I mean, it's, it, was, it was part of if there was a problem with the Bills, it was that, and, you know, Cooks went for last two, and he, Cooks seems to always right. be trade for a second or third, you know, every year. Um, but it was, you know, similar, like, are we going to get that extra production, you know, from a guy like Cooks? And the answer so far is yes. Um, you know, are you going to get that extra production, you know, from Hopkins? Obviously, no. I mean, it's going to be very similar, um, but it's, you know, he's getting an uptick, and, you know, Bills fans are ultimately happy. Um, Justin Jefferson went with that pick there, who's had a great year himself. Um, so that's going to be a, a big comparison especially to minnesota justin jefferson with that pick really gonna be a little bit of a comparison there Diggs is better today we'll see you know how how far that along the road that continues but not only has Diggs changed josh allen Diggs has actually been very good in, in the community he's been very good he said he's learned from his experiences in minnesota you see it on the field and he's unguardable um there's times you know you know whether you know whoever it is that's guarding him in the, in the cornerback room can't do it um, and then when you can and you shade pressure that way or you shade coverage that way or you, you know, you're in different cover three zones, um, you know, then Cole Beasley is just wide open in the middle of the field. So, I mean, it, it's a pick your poison type of problem. The biggest Josh, the biggest Josh Allen defender so far has been the weather. Um, believe it or not, he doesn't play well in the weather. So, you know, we get those elements here in Buffalo. It doesn't help Buffalo. So there's a lot of this, you know, we go to Buffalo and it's raining, it's snowing, it's this and it's that. Well, that's great. And I, and I say this to everyone, but that helps your team as much or more than it helps the Bills because Josh Allen needs the elements to be in his favor. And we, we've seen that straight up. It was a beautiful day in, in Seattle, uh, excuse me, here against Seattle, and he was as good as anyone's ever seen. Um, raining against Kansas City, same field, same thing, looked awful. Um, so there's, there's that element to where, Good weather really helps him. And he plays well on the road. That's why. So people are like, why, why is Josh Allen good on the road? Well, the weather's good. He's in a dome. He's in this. He's in that. Um, completely good player. I mean, he's got a really good road record. And Josh Allen, one, one, one stat I like to throw out is 22 and 12 in games he started and finished. I mean, he's a 10 and 6, 11 and 5 quarterback. Um, and that's what some bad teams that he's had. And prior to this year, even last year's team wasn't great. Um, and he went 10 and 6 with that roster. So, you know, let's, let's get into this matchup a little bit more. And the injury report doesn't look great on either side. The Bills injury report always looks like this, very short-term injuries for Buffalo. Can you talk to me about, do you know anything going on in the Arizona room um, in terms of, you know, all this with Buda Baker? You know, he, hasn't, he, he didn't participate again. They're saying, I think your defensive coordinator, so they expect him to play um, this weekend as well as, you know, I starting guard um, and, you know, a couple other names. Jordan Phillips, a guy that, you know, Bills fans know well. Um, anything in that room has injuries been a factor for Arizona this year? Has it been, you know, obviously, you know, you have a few key injuries, but or has it been kind of that same thing in Buffalo, maybe a week here, a week there? Well, I mean, you can tell in it, a lot of it's from the secondary where Buda Baker missed the Carolina game and right. Bridgewater ate him up. And then last week with Tua, with Drake Kirkpatrick and Byron Murphy out, it was a completely different defense. Um, Buda Baker should, is he's expected to play. I, this is like, and I was talking with, with a, a, a buddy today um, who covers as well. And, we're looking at Buda Baker kind of rise as kind of like a, a Bob Sanders-ish safety, the guy who hits really hard and he gets injured. I mean, he gets injured. Like there was – Buda Baker hits way harder than 
anybody thought he would when he came out of Washington out of the draft and the Cardinals traded up for him in the top of the second round. We saw a little of it last year on, um, I think it was Thursday Night Football against George Kittle. He had George Kittle twice, like, hard. And we're like, dude, this guy is small. He is compact. He's like Darren Sproles from the safety position, and he just drills people. So I think that there's going to be these days where he's going to hit the injury report, and it's not going to be directly correlated to him playing. It's going to be a maintenance day that veterans get just because of his style of play and because he's now the anchor of the defense. He's taken over that role from Chandler Jones and Patrick Peterson. He's the young kid that's going to be the pillar for the next, hopefully, decade for the Arizona Cardinals defense. Regarding Jordan Phillips, uh, not 100% sure yet. Same with Drake or Patrick. Kenyon Drake uh, should play this Sunday as well. Um, but, listen, it's week 10, and it's a weird season. There was no offseason. I'm sure there's going to be these, uh, these um, you know, just lingering injuries. This is where it really starts, where nobody's healthy. You know, unless you're a quarterback where you don't get touched or, you know, yeah. you get penalty. Um, other than that, everything should be status quo for the Cardinals, but Buda Baker is expected to play on Sunday, yes. Yeah. And then Justin Murray, is he? would he be a loss for you at guard? Is he – I mean, I know PFF likes him a little bit. I don't know your thoughts on, on him if he plays or doesn't play. You know, the offensive line has been the unsung hero for the Cardinals so far this season. When the Cardinals did not draft an offensive lineman at eight overall and they drafted Isaiah Simmons, that was a mm-hmm. point of contention for a lot of people, especially those who have covered the Cardinals for a long time, where Kyler Murray's looked at as – as Kyler goes, this team goes, if you're not there to protect them. But signing Kelvin Beach into the right side, having, having Justin Murray miss, and he's been, he's, been, uh, he's been very good. And they pulled him off the trash heap a couple seasons ago. He was, it was a revolving door at the right tackle position, right guard position, uh, patchwork offensive line over the last couple of years. But with Kelvin Beach there on the right side, coming over from the Jets from free agency, and then having DJ Humphreys on the left as bookends, that's seemingly been almost enough, and you just find the guys – they can stay healthy from the guard position on either side. Um, Justin Murray is, the, I would say, probably the best right guard the Cardinals have, but that doesn't mean that if he misses the game that they're going to have this gaping hole on the right side because the right tackle is so good. And because Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake are pretty good uh, uh, pass-blocking running backs, that they should be fine. Especially, I mean, listen, the Buffalo Bills defense isn't what it's been. Right? I mean, this has been – it's kind of like Josh Allen's offensive approach on defense. It's just like – I remember how formidable the Bills defense. I mean, in cold weather, I'm sure there's an uptick because, as you mentioned, it's just it's crappy to play in it. But the defense hasn't been what it once was. So hopefully the Cardinals will be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely will see that uptick in the Bills' defensive performance. Wouldn't expect that this week. You, you saw a good performance against Seattle. You saw a good performance against New York. Um, it's the Jets. And you saw a, a really pretty fairly good performance against the Patriots, um, who are always tough to beat with their Bill Belichick, you know, no matter who's playing. I mean, that's not a team playing – it's fun playing twice a year. So um, so we'll see you. This is a big week for them. Um, this is a big week to see is that defense taking the next step for turnovers against, against the good, potential NFL MVP. Um, you know, lots of pressure, hit him the most out of anyone in the league. Um, so lots of good things that come out of that. A lot of trash yardage in the end of the game. I think 150 of their yards were complete trash. Um, just didn't matter. Um, so, you know, we'll see. This is a big week. It's a big week for the defense to see if it's better than we think. They're, they're, they're fully healthy other than Matt Milano now, um, which is a big loss um, for the defense. But all corners, I think, are playing for the first time in a long time. They're all practicing um, together for the first time yeah. this season right now. So that's, yeah. that alone tells you everything you need to know about the injuries we've had. Um, you brought up Jordan Phillips, and I just want to ask, because, you know, there's a big debate going on 
in Bill's fan circles about, you know, you know, maybe the reason the defense isn't playing as well is because we don't have Shaq Lawson and we don't have Jordan Phillips. How has he been performing for you guys? He's had moments of, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, totally worth the 30 mil. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, it hasn't been difficult, even though the Cardinals drafted Rashad Lawrence and Lucky Fotu, two big boy interior defensive linemen in the draft in the fourth round. Jordan Phillips is better than what the Cardinals have had over the last couple of seasons. He's had, he had two sacks early, and I, nobody really held the weight in the nine-and-a-half sacks he had last season because I think, what, he only had five in his career before that. He had 14-and-a-half total and nine-and-a-half for last year. I think those numbers are right. Mm-hmm. So he's an improvement regardless, and you need, you need a plug in the middle of the defense when you run a 3-4, and he's been great. I mean, especially comparatively speaking to what they've had over the last couple of seasons. And that's really all that matters. You need to find a team that has a need and fill that need. And he's filled that need. I mean, he hasn't been an A-plus student, but he's, he's been way better. I mean, he's in the backfield way more than the Cardinals have experienced the last couple of years from a nose tackle interior defensive lineman. Yeah, the, the, from what we've gotten here, and like the the general feeling is that you know we met, we're missing Starla Tulele due to opt outs. You know he's the main opt out that the Bills had, um, and you know here from what I've understood is that you know it seems like Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson had their career years benefiting off of you know the space that Star takes up, um, but obviously Jordan Phillips is in a different scheme, running a three four here is in a four three, so uh, definitely can see how maybe his skill set might transfer a little differently there. Um, and you know you brought up uh, potentially missing Justin Murray, um, and since you know the Bills didn't really get to the quarterback almost all season until they got to Russ last week. And I thought, I, I can't remember who tweeted it out, but they, they had the most quarterback pressures of any team in any game so far in the NFL this year, last week. And so I'm not sure like how that'll translate to a team with a better offensive line than Seattle, better, you know, run or pass blocking running backs. And also the second most elusive quarterback in the NFL per NFL next gen stats Kyler Murray has evaded like 28% of, you know, QB hits in the backfield, second to Josh Allen. (laughs) So, you know, maybe talk about, you know, what concerns do you have about the Arizona Cardinals defense stopping Josh Allen? Yikes. I mean, that's a completely – I mean, he's a linebacker. (laughs) Like, he's he's a linebacker on figure skates. You know, it's like – it's – when I, when I, so, so he was, he was drafted seventh, right? You traded up yeah. with Tampa Bay. Is that right? Yeah, so that's right. when, when they were doing the draft, you know, the four the four headed monster, I guess Lamar Jackson was the fifth that nobody talked about. The fact that Josh Allen didn't make all conference in the Mountain West conference the last year before college and got drafted in the top 10 blew my mind. It's like, he's throwing 53% completion, whatever it was low fifties in college. He didn't have many touchdown passes, 11, something like that. I remember his numbers. I'm like, what the hell is this dude doing in the NFL? And then through the first six weeks, you must have been thinking the exact same thing as me. I mean, this dude can't hold on to the ball. <laughs> he, can't, he can't pitch and catch with anybody longer than 15 yards down the field. And he throws every ball like he's trying to throw it 100 yards. Right. And the fact that this kid has somehow – I don't know if it's the quarterback uh, coaching room in Buffalo – I don't know if it's him just working in the offseason, but what he's done in front of our eyes, I'm not even talking about the first four weeks of this year. That is cheat code, matted on easy against some guy that's never played before. <laughs> Let's just remove that. Let's move back to the mean here over the last maybe four weeks where you've seen ups and downs. The dude's just grown up. And I don't know if he's more cerebral now because they're not running the ball. 
So it's, you're not relying on a, on a, on a rush running attack. I mean, he's, I don't know. That's the answer. <laughs> uh, and, and the reason why, and I go back to what I said initially was having Cole Beasley in the flat and Stefan Diggs in the intermediate to long and John Brown taking the roof off with both of your tight ends. Like that is a pick your poison recipe that could kill the Cardinals interior uh, interior defense. Yeah. And one thing. And one thing is their 10 personnel usage too. So they'll, they'll go four wide receiver all, all game. They love Gabe Davis, their rookie in the fourth round. They think he's as yeah. good as any rookie. They really do. Um, they love him. Um, they absolutely think he's been one of the best players, in, not in general, at the receiver room. Um, and they'll use him. I mean, they'll, they'll use him with that receiver room. Um, he's, he's actually real. He's, he's fantastic as a fourth receiver. Um, when everyone's healthy, he struggled when he's needed to be the guy when John Brown went down. Um, he struggled a little bit as a number two receiver. Um, but as the four number four receiver, he just, he just can't get covered by, you know, a linebacker or a team's fourth corner. Um, he's, he's been that good and was really good against Seattle too. So we'll see that momentum coming in um, to, to this game, but you know, it's, it, I think it's a defensive scheme that would worry me for Arizona who won a lot of man free, right. From what, yeah. I, from what I've understood, I think the most in the league and that is where Josh Allen excels. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the teams he struggled against where, where the Mike Vrabels drop eight, play all these zones and see if he'll take the underneath. He proved he would against New England. He'll take the underneath. They'll start to run the ball. They ran the ball all over New England. And then, you know, Pete Carroll comes out and says, we didn't expect him to throw the ball. Well, you didn't expect Josh Allen to throw it. And then you have Brian Dable saying, we want to throw more, which was ridiculous because they threw, uh, ran three times in the first half. And I think the, the fewest ever in a long time in a half of football. Um, and he, he said he didn't want to run it at all. So I think, you know, Arizona's more ready that they do have a, a running scenario where they can, they can implement it. For some reason, they feel like you guys are dropping off into, into an eight-man drop. Um, but in a man-free situation, uh, that's where he excels as a passer. So is that something that you'll make an adjustment for? You think you think you'll live and die by it? Kind of what's your opinion on the exact defensive scheme you'll see from you know, Vance Joseph? Vance Joseph has been an enigma over the last couple of weeks. Like what he did against in the second half against Seattle, holding them to seven points in, in the second half in overtime with these – intricate blitz schemes and the majority of them, I mean, it's Byron Murphy, it's Buda Baker. It's not just your pass rushers, it's on Reddick, uh, et cetera. It's, it was like magic. I mean, it's like something, cause we were waiting. Vance Joseph last year was on the chopping block. He was the scapegoat. And uh, now he's looked at with the offensive line as an unsung hero. So what I'll say is on, in lieu of what I said about Josh Allen, how he's great at so many things, he will allow you, to turn him over twice a game. Sure. You just, you just have to take advantage of it. And that's something the Cardinals haven't been able to do. They have a couple picks. Like the Buda Baker one was great. With DK Metcalf, he's the meme lord now. Um, Patrick <laughs> Peterson had two interceptions that fell into his lap. So those don't really count. They weren't like opportunistic interceptions. They were just bad throws. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen is a four turnover game waiting to happen if you put him in the right scenarios to do it. And I don't know if the Cardinals pass rush right now without Chandler Jones is good enough to smack him in the mouth yeah. because he's so big. He's Ben Roethlisberger-y, where, but with, with mobility, <laughs> where if you let him run all over you, he'll kill you. I agree with you with the scheme that they run in place, and, man, it's not ideal for his skill set. That is obvious. But there are, again, ways to put Josh Allen in carry situations, and he will revert back to rookie Josh Allen. People just haven't been able to do it yet. And that's and I, and maybe it's not that um, you know better than me. And maybe it's not that drastic. But what we saw before the Seattle game for those two weeks, he was pedestrian again. 
And I'm not saying he's a pedestrian quarterback because he's grown up so much, but, man, he is there. There is a pick six there. And the Cardinals need to be opportunistic with scores uh, on the defensive side if it, if it comes up. There's, there's dropped interceptions every week that could turn into, inter, that could turn into pick sixes or, or uh, uh, field flipping that DBs just don't take advantage of. The Cardinals do not have a good enough defense to not take advantage of those. And Josh Allen is the perfect quarterback if given the right situation and put in the right defensive scheme to do that for the defense, for the Cardinals. Yeah, that's one area where the Bills have, and Josh Allen especially have improved this year. And, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that we have a defensive or a special teams touchdown against us yet this year. I also don't think we have a defensive or special teams for. But, you know, I like usually I, I come into this season with Josh Allen and I didn't expect him to take the leap that he did. And I expected, you know, an ugly pick six in the first half of the season because that's just what you're expecting to get. But it seems like his decision-making is a – vastly improved which is you know sometimes he felt like he had to do too much and now bringing in Stefan Diggs uh you know he has the confidence of the people in the room around him right now and they have all the confidence in him so um I, I feel good about him minimizing those plays but also Kevin may, maybe you just may, real quick do you are you worried about us like regressing to the mean of like turnovers because it seems um, like we've done well some of the biggest misconception or faux pas or whatever you want about Josh Allen is it's his running ability that gets him into trouble. So Josh Allen will decide to tuck it. He won't like what he sees, even though he won't trust his reads. He'll tuck it and run and try to get extra yards. That's where he's vulnerable. Um, so believe it or not, even though that 11, 12, you know, everyone that plays Kyler Murray, you know, same thing. That 11, 12, 15-yard run kills you. You hate it. it. It disappoints you. You thought you played good defense. Coverage is good. And he beats you. That's Josh Allen. So the difference, though, is that He'll go for 12, he'll leap somebody, um, and then he'll fight for another three um, instead of sliding. He'll fight for another three, and that's when he's been vulnerable. That's when he fumbled twice against the Jets. That's when you'll see you know, New England going after the ball, um, Tennessee. Though it's actually him putting the ball on the ground that's actually very vulnerable for Josh Allen. Through the air, he's been good, in the red zone particularly, because he can run. The problem in the red zone for the defense is we don't know what Josh Allen's going to do. We'll call a quarterback power. He could what he did yes last week was pull it out and do a jump throw like he's in college. Um, <laughs> I mean, you just don't know if he's going to do something crazy like a college play. You don't know if he's going to run it, or you don't know if he's going to play just standard quarterback football. So it's very tough for the defense to, to know exactly when you're in the red zone. He hasn't turned the ball over in the red zone, so that's 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 really where he's one of the best red zone quarterbacks in the league. And, and even when he was struggling, he's still really good in the red zone. Where you'll get him is trying to make a play. And when he totally unnecessary situations, it'll be a situation second and 10. He won't like what he sees downfield because the Bills throw a lot on second down and he'll just take off and see eight yards. And instead of taking the eight yards, like a lot of quarterbacks would go for 12. Now, as he's getting that 12th yard, boom, fumble. Um, you know, he got hit from behind. He got tracked down by DB, Buda Baker, you know, something like that that a situation where he's not accounting for such a hard hit by such a such a physical player that's where you're going to get Josh Allen I'm not concerned at all with him throwing a brutal pick six because we don't really see those right now could it happen sure it absolutely could um, at any at any point but he's going to be that quarterback that get him to run I mean a lot of people are like well he's going to kill me running the ball and he has at times but he'll put the ball on the ground that means he's not thrown into his receivers that means that they're not beating you deep let him run for 12 yards. I mean, if I was the Cardinals or the Bills' next opponent or the next opponent, 
I'll make him run the ball. And you saw that in Tennessee. So the only game plan that's worked against Kansas City just doesn't count. The weather was terrible. It was weird. The Bills almost still almost pulled that game out late after a fumble that was very marginal either way by Clyde Edwards-Alaire. It was 50-50 whether he did, his knee was down or not. Um, <laughs> Bills take that over and, and, and take the lead late, late, late in the game. Um, so we're going to throw the KC game out. There wasn't good or bad for Josh Allen. But that Tennessee game, Mike Vrabel's the only um, defensive coordinator or head coach that's been able to, to, to stop Josh Allen to an extent. And that's the week that those didn't know if they were playing KC. They didn't know when. They didn't know where. They didn't know if COVID was was spreading. It was totally bizarre. Awful. The team will die by that situation. So the biggest situations can you learn from Mike Vrabel? And he's been the best against him um, so far this season by far. I mean, it's not even close by far um, in in this game. And what did he do? Dropped eight. He said Josh wants to run for twelve. If he wants to dump to Singletary, if he wants to use a lot of Croft, um, you know, we're gonna let him do. If he wants to use even Cole, you know, we'll let him use Cole Beasley. Um, which is not going to beat us with Stefan Diggs um, and John Brown. I don't believe played in that game. So that, that was a, that was a major issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm talking about. Let, make him do, make him do 15 play drives and he will occasionally, um, but that's how you beat Josh Allen. And I think Arizona could, like you mentioned, if Vance Joseph has been putting together really good defensive game plans, let him get his yards, drop into your zones, go away from that man coverage because he honestly is really good at that. And he'll find one of his three or even get Davis getting open. Um, he'll find that now. So to me, drop back, put him in zone, do some zone blitzes, do some mush pressures, do whatever you can to make Josh Allen think a little extra minute, you know, say, you know, I'm athletic, I'm going to take some yards. And, you know, if you let him get those yards, because at the end of the day, if you, if you make him run, he's going to put the ball on the ground. That is one concern for Josh Allen and you'll see it. He'll recover some of them, but you'll see, you'll see him put the ball on the ground a fair amount. So make him run the ball and make the bills run the ball. That's, that's how Arizona wins this game. They have proven they can do it a little bit, had a really good game plan against new England, but make him do it again. Because quite frankly, I don't think that they can. Uh, I, I have a trouble with this running game a lot. Um, I, a lot of people like Zach Moss. He's not my favorite bill. Um, so that's the, the key to this game for Arizona. And the biggest, the biggest question I would have for you, do they have the ability to drop into a zone or make the Bills run the ball? And is your run defense sufficient to, to follow that game plan up? Yeah, I mean, the run defense is good enough. The run defense was putrid last year. Um, this is kind of a situation where the Cardinals are trying to find an elixir with their, with their DBs. Just find one that works. Find one that, that isn't combustible. You know, because yeah. bringing in Draker Patrick, Prince of Mukamara can't make the can't make the fifty three man roster. Uh, they brought in Jonathan Joseph, the elder statesman from Houston. Like they're trying to figure out what can get them through this season without collapsing. Now Patrick Peterson has been he's been a Jekyll and Hyde. He looks like the old the old Patrick Peterson. And he looks like a listless guy that doesn't want to be there. Like you, you you see both of him. You see Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker over the top two of the better safeties on the same team uh, in the NFL. They've, they've definitely taken the leaps this year. The linebacking core dropping in coverage is problematic. Uh, Jordan Phillips, that's not his bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Golden now is a pass rusher, and that's what, he's, that's what his job is going to be. Hassan Reddick isn't great. As you can mention, these names are starting to get less and less impactful. That's what the linebacking core is. Devondre Campbell uh, has been fine. He's, he's surprised some people. I, if it were up to me, there are two things that the Cardinals need to do defensively is obviously, as you mentioned, make them run the ball. Yep. Just figure, figure out a package to make them run the ball. And listen, if they run for 200 yards, cool. I, whatever you can do to keep them from scoring in 15 seconds, you do. Because they have a lot of Kansas City in them yep. where they can score quick. And the other thing is, and I know this is a play on words, 
Kyler Murray is the best defense that the Cardinals have. So if you can get this offense to take the air out of the ball with, if Kyler Murray is going to be an MVP, you can't do what Russell Wilson's doing. Not because he can't do it, but because scoring in 25 seconds doesn't help your defense. Yeah. And your offense still isn't as good as the top flight offenses in the NFL yet. Yes, they have DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray coming into his own, but they're not there yet. What Lamar Jackson did last year was foundationalized on the best defense in the NFL and the best run game. So he was awarded pleasantries that Kyler Murray isn't awarded. And if you can, if you can, and they did this in, in some capacity against Seattle in the second half was just take the air out of the damn ball, run it, take down it, more play clock, chill out on the air raid BS, just use clock. Cause that's what Tom Brady and the greatest ever w- would do. And I'm not putting Drew Brees in that conversation because he didn't do it. Tom Brady just said, we're going to, Aaron Rodgers, you're going to sit on the sideline. That's how we're going to beat you. And with a guy like Josh Allen, he's not obviously in that echelon yet, but he's a top third. I mean, he, he, he's a QB one, especially through, through the first nine weeks of the season. So that is the best defense the Cardinals have. It sounds like a cliche cop-out answer, but mm-hmm. without Chandler Jones and without a real second leader on the defense, not named Buda Baker, maybe Byron Murphy will be that guy later on, Kyler Murray is the best defense the Cardinals have. And you could almost say, you know, Bills are going to be missing Matt Milano this week. It's the first time we'll have all of our cornerbacks healthy at the same time. You know, you can, who knows what that'll look like and if they have to scheme things up differently as the game goes on. Maybe the best defense the Bills have is, you know, Josh Allen keeping the Bills offense on the field and keeping Kyler Murray off of it. So it could be that kind of game where it's like a lot of long extended drives and maybe all of them almost end in touchdowns. It could be a shootout in the desert this weekend. Um, yeah. It's going to be ridiculously fun it's probably it's the game i've circled on my on the bills calendar i have on my desk but it's you know the most exciting one at least you know other than the new england ones of course (laughs) um but after all we've talked about uh maybe we kind of move into predictions here and wrap up the show alex since you're the guest um you know i don't don't know the over under not going to do all that just give us a score prediction and maybe you know talk about why a little bit i think it's 55 i don't know why it stuck out i think it's 55 because we were talking about i think we thought it was low Um, um I went back and forth with this. I picked the Cardinals to lose the last two games, mm-hmm. including the, the Seattle game. I am picking them because this is the big pivot moment for this season. We don't know. You don't know if it's going to be positive or negative. If the Cardinals lose on Sunday and then have to go to a short week and play in Seattle, this season could go from promising to not making the playoffs very quickly. It's tough. I think the Cardinals win 31-28, and I'm not – I don't feel good about it. I think there's going to be about 60 points scored and it's going to be a score difference. Mm-hmm. So it could be a late field goal. Uh, I think 31, 28 Cardinals, um, but I don't feel good about it. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm very happy that I'm not saying I don't feel good about it, about my predictions when I pick the bills to win now, <laughs> uh, Kevin, over to you. What, what do you got this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to follow suit. I mean, the Bills can't win every single game. I think there's enough offensive talent on Arizona. It's a game that um, the Bills, kind of different scenario than Arizona, where they needed to to win a couple of games, New England, to push them way down, um, and Seattle. They're kind of playing with house money. I don't want to use that terminology. They're never going to admit that. Um, They're going on the road. They're traveling on a a pretty big high, um, perfect performance by the offense, and it's going to be close. I mean, I'm 100% confident in that. That's, I don't think either team are, is going to run away with it. Um, but I, I mean, I'm in similar fashion. I mean, I don't think the Bills can stop the run. So if Kyler Murray gets going, um, Kenyon Drake's back, Chase Edmonds, you know, receiving backs, 
those kind of kind of backs kill the Bills, especially with that linebacking play. They're going to blitz AJ Klein all day because that's where he's effective. Um, so one of their one of their linebackers is going to be just a rush linebacker. He's not going to be doing anything else. A lot of weight on Tremaine Edmonds' shoulder. Yeah. Um, that torn, broken shoulder. <laughs> it, it's been better. He played really, for once, played really good against Seattle. It was the first time all year. So we'll see. The yeah. cornerbacks are healthy, so that's very, very helpful. Good timing for that. You're going to come in with four pretty uh, usable cornerbacks in this game and two really safeties. So going going well there on the bill. And the def- defensive line finally got going. I don't think it's going to be enough. I do think, you know, the Bills aren't going to go, you know, 14-2. and two. Uh, this, is, this is a spot, you know, here in Pittsburgh for the Bills where they're going to probably struggle – um defensively uh, I think the offense will be fine um but I do I mean I'm, I'm similar I have 34 28 um so I think Arizona will get it done um and you know I've been pretty good at picking those games this year um so I just uh, running on that high traveling they've been a good road team all year like we mentioned can't win all the game every game on the road um out of out of element you know the later start does help them though I will say that with it being uh you know a late start for them they're, they're playing a normal time frame from the east coast so We'll see. Josh Allen's been good on the road. He's been good in good elements. Um, offense isn't going to be a problem, though. Um, to me, it's going to be. I don't. I don't think the Bills' defense is going to be able to get it done. And um, they're going to pluck something from each game plan that they've seen that's been effective. I really think that um, the Arizona offense is going to be able to pluck um, the worst of the Bills. I mean, if they need to run the ball, let's just call it what it is. If they're going to throw the ball, that the Bills have a good strength on on, on pass defense. If they're going to run the ball, bad bad matchup for the Bills. Yeah, um, I, I'm seeing a, a very close game as well. Um, I am going to pick the Bills to win. I don't think we're going to go 14-2 and two on the year. I'm not going to say that. Um, but for me, if you just look at the history Sean McDermott has against mobile quarterbacks, you know, we did lose to Baltimore last year, but it was Lamar Jackson's worst game of the season. He was under 200 yards passing. It was an efficient day for him, but it wasn't like a, a an eye-popping game. And he, he held the, the Ravens offense to, I think, 17 points that game. Um, even to an extent, if you want to call Dak Prescott a mobile quarterback last year on Thanksgiving, you know, he's not a run-first guy like Murray, but he has his legs. Russell Wilson, another guy that, you know, Sean McDermott was able to stop who can, you know, make do with his legs. Um, so I think the Bills are going to win. I think it's going to be – a last possession wins or loses it game. Um, so it's going to be right down to the wire. I think the Bills win 34 to 30. So, you know, still in the same same realm of these this really high game. Um, you know, Tyler Bass is the rookie kicker who was shaky to start the season, but, you know, he started to come into his own, and I feel good about him making some kicks in good weather for us to, to help us get the win here. Um, but, you know, we have two people saying the Cardinals are going to win, one saying the Bills, so maybe I'm outnumbered. That's okay. <laughs> but regardless Special teams top, will come to play in this one. Um, yeah, so, for real. Um, and, uh, the COVID could come into play. Like, the Cardinals are – Cardinals got flexed once. If Baltimore gets flexed out because of the COVID concerns that they're dealing with, we could be looking at a Sunday night football game too. It's yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, Alex, thanks for being here, man. Really appreciate it. For any Bills fans that want to, you know, maybe brush up on the Cardinals, where can they find your work? Uh, at Clancy's Corner on Twitter. I just Google locked on Arizona Cardinals and uh, you can find us wherever podcasts are found. I do have one question before I leave, though. I'd be remiss not to ask. Of course. Uh, what would it have been like – it full circle with Antonio Brown, the, the report that came out that he was going to Buffalo first. <laughs> Isn't it funny how you have an Antonio Brown light now that may be more – he's a better route runner, may not be as athletically gifted in Stephon Diggs, but obviously a better teammate. I, I want to ask quickly before I go. I'm not trying to take the reins here. What were yeah. your initial thoughts when you saw that report? It was rap sheet, right, at like yeah. 9 o'clock at night on a Saturday. Uh-huh. What was your initial thought? 
when you thought Antonio Brown was going to the Bills? I Okay, so I was raised a Steelers fan despite being raised in Buffalo. Um, my dad's from Pittsburgh. My brother, you know, he's older than me, so I was always a Steelers fan before I got too big into the Bills. Bills are my number one team now for everyone listening, I promise you. <laughs> but, you know, after hearing about all the things that Mike Tomlin had to deal with, with Antonio Brown and how he just didn't match well with a single personality in that room, um, I, I was excited to have that you know, that type of player, that name brand player. Um, and I knew if anyone could handle, you know, any kind of diva in the locker room, it's Sean McDermott. But I was almost relieved when I found out it didn't go through, and especially when I found out why. Um, so when it first happened, I was on the fence about how I felt. I it was one of those things where, like, okay, I was like, okay, ask me in a couple hours so I can actually think about it. Um, but in the end, I couldn't be happier with how it ended up. Kevin, what was, what was that night like for you? I mean, I, I, as a, as a Brown fan, this is, remember, this is a good question because it was previous to any crazy allegations. It was. Um, yeah. So the first initial trade was previous to anything. So it was other than him walking off in week 17. It was previous to anything prior to that. Brandon Bean said he needed a receiver one. Um, and he proved it by going out and doing it. Um, the yeah. compensation was supposed to be fairly low. Um, you know, in the mid round pick, third round pick, I believe was the initial um, theory um, of that, of that choice. So to me, it was a good compensation needed a receiver one badly. Um, and it would have worked out horribly. Um, so I think the, the general consensus in Buffalo was that the, it was the biggest number one need. And that led yeah. to going out and get Stefan Diggs. And I still think they would have gotten Stefan Diggs if, if that fell apart with, with Antonio Brown and, um, you know, they received a free draft pick essentially, uh, in Pittsburgh. So I was happy the team needed, it was their biggest hole. Um, John Brown and Cole Beasley determined to be a wide receiver, two wide receiver threes, you know, as good as any in the league. Um, so they did, they wouldn't have had that. I mean, truthfully, that money would have been spent on Antonio Brown, um, pre that's those signings. So, um, the Bills took some heat for paying those players. They've thrown it in everybody's faces to be really good receiver twos or receiver threes. And they went out and got a receiver one. Um, so it all worked out for us, but I, I was pro Antonio Brown. This was before anything that came out. I thought that was by far their biggest need and they're getting a huge game changing player. So for me, it was, um, it was needed. I was happy with it. I knew Sean McDermott could handle it. Um, and by far, I mean, I was completely on board with it. I mean, it could have worked too. Like I didn't think, I didn't think it was a weird, uh, the right fit. Like you mentioned with, he shot it down. Josh Allen and that didn't make a lot of sense, but man, now, if he wasn't a total terrible person, it would have been. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, he was the one that ended up shooting it, shooting it down to this day. Um, the bills would still tell you um, they weren't that interested, but uh, I think that they were very interested in it. Then they would have moved, made that move if he didn't tell his agent cancel that trade right now. Um, but you know, it's funny now. I mean, Stefan Diggs came here with flying color. So just even a year or two has made a huge difference in, in Bill's perception and being able to continue to make the playoffs and now being the team in the AFC East next year, the bills are going to be able to use, utilize their, their cap the way that they need to, um, because they have a they have a quarterback that throws the ball. They have all this talent. They're going to be able to pluck the talent that they need. So I don't think you'll see those, those players opting out of here right now. Um, so that's, to me, that's the biggest takeaway is that Diggs came and been awesome. He can call someone on the phone and be like, Hey, Next time someone trades, you know, for you, you know, come here because it's, it's changed my career. Yeah, Diggs is a bill, and that's all that matters to me. No joke, my friend, my friend Sam and I have been literally talking about trading for Stefan Diggs for two or three years before this year. So it was nice to see that come to fruition. Like when you said you you were happy when you know you were shocked that DeAndre Hopkins was a Cardinal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know it's going to be D Hop versus Diggs, two leading receivers in the NFL this weekend. Two great young quarterbacks. 
two defenses that are still kind of finding themselves. So it's definitely going to be a good game. Uh, Alex, once again, thank you for being here. Kevin, I will talk to you on Sunday. And everybody else, make sure you tune in for the pregame show at 11. We'll see you then.